Good morning, everyone. Welcome to worship at Naples United Church of Christ. And greetings to you who are watching on live stream and Facebook Live, and to those who may be listening later on podcast. Today is the first Sunday in October, a communion Sunday. So we invite you at any time to go and gather whatever communion elements you wish to share during our time for communion. Thanks to John Ballou and the deacons who were here on Friday to hand out communion elements. And a special thanks to Sarah Morgan and the Balsbaz for managing our Cans for Communion drop-off. Grace Place is always very grateful for the food and encouragement that, and the help that we provide to them in their ministry. Dr. Dawson Taylor has been on vacation, and we're glad to have Dr. Sharon Harris-Ewing with us this morning to bring the message. Dawson will be hosting Dialogue with Dawson this Thursday at 10 a.m., you can find the link in your Wednesday e-blast. If you've been attending our church virtually and are interested in becoming part of our NUCC family, we invite you to join us for a virtual evening with your pastors this coming Wednesday at 7 p.m. Simply email wendy at wendy at naplesucc.org for your Zoom meeting credentials. The next opportunity for joining will be next Sunday, October 11th. A couple of fun and inspirational opportunities are coming your way. This Thursday, October 8th, Dr. Deb Kaiser-Cross will be offering a four-week class entitled, What's Your Spiritual Type? This Zoom class will run from 9 to 10.30 in the morning. To sign up, just follow the class sign-up link in your weekly e-blast, or you can call the church office if you need to be added to the e-blast. Also, a week from this Wednesday, October 14th, the Clergy Roundtable will resume as we study the book, Forgive to Live, subtitled, How Forgiveness Can Save Your Life. If you need a book, we have some here at the office on hand, and for $20, we can send it directly to you. For assistance, call Chelsea at our church office or send your request to books at naplesucc.org. Both of these opportunities and more can be found in your copy of our new quarterly publication on Eagle's Wings, which should be reaching your mailbox this week. You can look for it. And finally, following worship, as always, we invite you to join in the virtual gathering place to visit with your fellow members. To participate, just click on the virtual gathering place button from yesterday's e-blast. Or if you didn't receive one, please call our church office right now at 239-261-5469. We will take your name, email, and phone number and email you a link so you can join in. That's our announcements for today. As a growing congregation, let us center our hearts and minds as we prepare for worship. Would you join with me in prayer? ever-present God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. On March 11th, 2017, New York Times columnist Ross Duthat wrote a piece entitled, 
resist the internet. It's time to turn to the real threat to the human future, the one in your pocket or on your desk, the one you might be reading this column on right now. You know it to be true. You are enslaved to the internet. Definitely if you're young, increasingly if you're old, your day-to-day, minute-to-minute existence is dominated by a compulsion to check. Email and Twitter and Facebook and Instagram with a frequency that bears no relationship to any communicative need. Duthat's words hit home. I am all too aware of how often I check my phone or computer to see if I have email or what others have posted on Facebook or perhaps how they responded to something that I posted. I interrupt and distract myself. And I don't even do Twitter or Instagram. Three years later to the day, on March 11th, 2020, the World Health Organization declared that COVID-19 was now a global pandemic. Within a short time, schools closed. They opened later online only. This fall, schools wrestled with hard choices. Some gave parents the options to send their children to in-person classes. Others offered only virtual learning. Since March, my eight-year-old granddaughter, whose parents and teachers had always severely limited her screen time, has become so proficient on the internet that she is now teaching me some new Zoom tools. No, this is not a sermon about the internet. But it is about the things in our lives with the potential to enslave us, to become addictions and perhaps even idols to which we are more devoted than the God whom we worship. If the pandemic had not turned our world upside down so that we now have to spend more time in front of a screen, then our compulsion to check the internet would be less complicated. But I still think some of us, and I include myself, need to resist the internet. Our passage from the 20th chapter of Exodus, as David mentioned, introduces the Ten Commandments and includes the first two. Before these verses, in the 19th chapter of Exodus, we are told that on the third new moon after the Israelites had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that very day, they came into the wilderness and they camped in front of Mount Sinai. Moses went up and down the mountain, receiving messages from God and reporting them to the people. And then we move into chapter 20. 
the very first verse is actually quite important because it is the foundation for everything that follows. Here it is no longer Moses speaking for God. It is God who is speaking. God is speaking directly to the people of Israel, telling them who God is and what God has done for them. I am the Lord your God. That's the essence of the covenant God established with Israel. I will be your God and you will be my people. I brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. I am your God. I am the one who saved you. So it's within this context that the Ten Commandments were given. They were not rules given so that the people could somehow earn God's favor. No, they were guidelines that flowed out of the love God had already shown them. Guidelines for fulfilling the covenant. God was telling them how to live together in community in right relationship to the God who had rescued them and in right relationship to one another. Today, as you've figured out, I am only going to talk about the first two commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol. We have to think about the context. In the ancient world, it was a given that there were many gods worshipped by other peoples. Monotheism as we know it, the belief that there is only one God with a capital G, came later. Idols were usually physical representations of the gods, like a statue made of wood or stone or metal. People worshipped these idols, bowed down before them, presented offerings and prayers. Now, I don't know about you, but to me that feels like a pretty foreign practice idea. So, if we recognize there's only one God, and we don't make statues to represent that God... How are we to understand the relevance of these verses today? You shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no other gods before me. In other words, do not worship something or someone other than God as if it were God. That's a challenge that feels much more relevant in our time. To put other gods before God means to give something to give to something or someone the allegiance, devotion, time, energy, and value that belong to God alone. To have other gods means to worship something tangible or intangible 
or someone that is not God and is not worthy of our worship. So what are the other gods, the idols, we might be tempted to worship? I'm not going to tell you that X or Y is an idol that you or I or others worship as if it were God. What I will do is highlight some possibilities with the hope that each of us will engage in some self-reflection. I would not even ask unless I had already begun the process myself. What false gods might we worship? Over the years, others have asked and answered this very question. Perhaps wealth. More than a century ago, Mark Twain pointed to money. In one place he said, some men worship rank, some worship heroes, some worship power, some worship God, And over these ideals, they dispute and cannot unite. But they all worship money. In another place, what is the chief end of man? To get rich. In what way? Dishonestly, if we can. Honestly, if we must. Who is God, the one and only true? Money is God. Gold and greenbacks and stock. Father, son, and ghosts of same. Three persons in one. These are the true and only God, mighty and supreme. How about sports? 35 years ago, a professor of religious studies at Penn State said, sport is America's newest and fastest growing religion far outdistancing whatever is in second place. It's not merely like a religion, he argued. Sport can and does provide its followers everything that traditional religions have provided over the centuries. Sport is religion for growing numbers of Americans. Or Google. Just two years ago, an article in Esquire suggested this possibility. Our brains are sophisticated enough to ask very complex questions, but not sophisticated enough to answer them. Since Homo sapiens emerged from caves, we've relied on prayer to address that gap. As Western nations become wealthier, organized religion plays a smaller role. But the void between questions and answers remains, creating an opportunity. As more people become alienated from traditional religion, we look to Google as our immediate, all-knowing oracle of answers, from trivial to profound. God is our modern-day God, or excuse me, Google is our modern day God. In the year 2020, in the midst of a pandemic and four weeks before an election, I wonder about other possible idols. The past. 
A few weeks ago, Dawson preached about the Back to Egypt Committee, based on the story of the Israelites who were so discontent in the wilderness that they wanted to go back to Egypt, where they were slaves. In an uncomfortable present and in the face of an uncertain future, I sometimes fear we idolize the past, whether it is last year or the 1980s or the 1950s. We want things to get back to the way they used to be, forgetting, perhaps, some great injustices that have been exposed by the disproportionate effect of COVID-19 on people of color, to cite just one example. Perhaps we need to think about what some call a new normal, and your clergy team likes to call a preferred normal. What is the better future to which God is calling us? Youth usefulness. Writing in what he called a pandemic diary, a Mennonite pastor in North Carolina wrote, to honor the older generation is a commitment against idolatry. Ours is an idolatrous society ready to abandon people deemed no longer useful quoting a Dominican priest's interpretation of the fifth commandment to honor one's parents, he said to respect people just because they are images of the God of freedom, even though they are no longer any use, is a test of the worship of God alone. The idolatrous society will characteristically neglect and try to forget the aged. Our nation. Most of us have bemoaned the polarization of our country, the lack of civility, the apparent inability of people with different viewpoints to work together toward the common good. To that concern, I would add what sociologists call American civil religion. The tendency to conflate faith and the flag, Christian ideals and national interests. Taking healthy patriotism and injecting it with religious devotion can lead to worshiping the country above God. So, the internet, success, money, our work, sport, the past, Google, material possessions, usefulness, family, education, a political ideology, the perfect body, celebrities, Alcohol, our nation, power itself. What potential idols would you add to the list? We live in a culture that holds up for absolute veneration 
many things and even some people. It's not that any one of them is bad in and of itself. Indeed, most are good when kept in perspective, when valued for how they contribute to our ability to live as responsible citizens in community with one another. They become idols, false gods, worshipped above our God when we grant them allegiance and devotion beyond their worth, when they become more important to us than the commitment we have made to love the Lord our God with all our heart and all our soul and with all our mind and with all our strength and to love our neighbors as ourselves. This is Worldwide Communion Sunday when Christians around the world gather as one to feast at the table prepared for us by Jesus the Christ. May we be united by our commitment to live as faithful disciples who put aside all other gods to worship the one true God and creator of us all who has redeemed us and shown us how to live in covenant with God and one another. This is our calling, no other gods. May God help us to live up to our calling. Amen.